Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope everyone's having an absolutely fantastic day today. And again, if you guys need anything at all, be sure to check out the website at healthmasters.com, the product of the week, Testo Plus. You guys voted and it won, so be sure to check it out on the website. Over 10% off right now at healthmasters.com and vote for what you guys want to see win as well later on next week. So, again, we thank you for getting the truth and information and for supporting Health Masters. Thank you for that. First thing I want to report on is a article that I saw a couple days ago, and I, I didn't get a chance to report on it yet because I found it quite ironic after I watched some of the theater going on with Congress and the video they played of, you know, the Ukraine president and, you know, Mr. Gay Boy crying about how he needs immediate support. And it's ironic to me how the entire congressional body basically stood up and applauded him like they weren't watching some type of video film footage from some, you know, video awards. I mean, it, it was it was a total theater joke. And now they're handing him more money yesterday. And it's ironic to me that, you know, all of a sudden everything's focused on this. Well, Nobody even talks about just the fact a couple days ago, the U.S. consulate in Mexico that's on the Mexican border of Nuevo Laredo, right outside of Laredo, Texas, basically came under machine gun fire along with frag grenades and trailers being set ablaze on downtown roads after a gang leader was arrested, including throwing spike strips, blocking the road, and setting tractor trailers on fire, blocking all access. A siege continued on the U.S. consulate but was then held down as Mexican, basically, uh, military descended on the premises. And what's interesting about that is this is not an abnormal occurrence, sadly. This is something that occurs on a regular basis down there with a lot of the continued violence, if you guys know. Juarez, Mexico, for the longest time, was one of the most violent cities in the entire world. And, of course, that's right on the border of the United States. Again, the same border that nobody seems to want to even acknowledge anymore in the United States government and simply pretends our main focus is a country literally on the opposite side of the globe that we help out with bioweapon labs and continue to funnel money with one of the largest corrupt administrations I think we've ever seen with the Biden administration. And so, again, these are the obfuscations that they put out there to try to cover what's going on. Now, there's something else that occurred yesterday that I thought was quite irritating, but also, too, it's going to kind of tie into a few other things I'm talking about. This is going to show you the level of basically contradictory behavior that we're constantly starting to see now and why it's so important to get this information out there and make sure if you're ever in a situation, of course, you don't say anything. If you're being questioned, ask for your attorney. A girl, a lady that owns a flower store, a boutique in Washington, D.C. now, has now been arrested for her alleged involvement in the January 6th riot protest rally, whatever you want to call it, whatever they've twisted it, but one thing it wasn't was an insurrection. She basically had no footage of her actually going in the Capitol, but she simply made a video that night and said, yes, she was proud of her actions. This is something she posted on social media. I charged the Capitol with patriots today, and heck yes, I'm proud of my actions. Later on, they interviewed her, and she basically said, I don't think anything I did was wrong going in the Capitol. Absolutely not. Do I think it was wrong for me to go through an open door and walk inside the Capitol? No, I didn't break any laws. I didn't do anything unlawful. I think that's probably why the FBI and law enforcement are basically fishing. 
Well, now they have tried to make an example out of her. And this is a girl with zero arrest record, zero record at all, period. They have now requested that the Department of Justice charges her and gives her 75 days in jail, along with one year supervised release probation and a $500 restitution fee. This is because she admitted to walking into the Capitol, didn't damage property, wasn't caught vandalizing something, didn't hit law enforcement, didn't get an altercation, simply admitted she walked into the Capitol. On the flip side of this, we now have Jesse Smollett, the giant, bold-faced liar, has now been released out of jail after six days as they have now said that his appeal trial that he is now his attorney has somehow gotten an appeal for, he will now be released on bond but will not have to pay a bond and will be released until further notice, until basically his new trial is finally finished as he's now received an appeals court. They said the appeals court said Jesse would be released after posting a personal recognition bond of $150,000, meaning he didn't have to put anything down cash-wise but he agreed with his signature to come to court as required. So he did a whopping six days in jail for six felony counts of lying to law enforcement, obstruction of justice, writing a false police report. The list goes on. You know how the whole story went. And did six days in jail and now has already been given another appeals court date and was released on bond without any cash bond, basically a signature bond now because, well, I guess his friends and his brother have pitched enough big of a racial fit that there's really no reason to actually do anything for this type of behavior. They're going to kind of make it disappear. Yet you have a lady that walked into the Capitol building simply by admission of walking into the Capitol building, and they want a 75-day arrest in jail with a one-year probation simply because she admitted to walking in. This is the contradictory behavior that I continue to talk about, and this is why, again, it is very important, and I say this a lot, if you're ever involved in anything, it doesn't even mean if it's anything serious or minor, do not talk to law enforcement or admit anything. And sure as heck, please do not post stuff on social media and brag about stuff that you did. That's one of the stupidest things you can possibly do, especially knowing that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these platforms are owned by probably the biggest spying agency in the entire globe, and they drove these websites to look and see if they can find people involved in anything. This is what they're trying to do, and it's going to get worse, as sad as it is. They're going to continue to continue to go after people for minor, minor incidents to make an example out of them for the narrative they want, while at the same time, people that get charged with numerous felonies and are convicted simply get six days in jail, and now they will have an appeals court that will probably go into perpetuity now and just go on and on and on, get continuance after continuance for the next couple of years, and then they'll probably fine him down to a minor misdemeanor and retry it, and he'll get like six months community service or something stupid. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen now. Too many people basically got their hands in this and didn't want something coming out, in my opinion. Now, if you flip the narrative, and this is something that hardly any mainstream narratives have talked about, but a lot of media has been talking, local media. And I'm going to tell you the real reason why this is happening right now. This is pretty disturbing, but at the same time, it needs to come out. The United States now has agreed to pay the families impacted by the 2018 Parkland school shooting, $127.5 million. The shooting that took place on February 14th at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, where Nicholas Cruz, 
allegedly by himself, opened fire, killing 16 people and wounding 17 more. Forty civil cases will receive a total seg- settlement of $127.5 million, according to the St- Justice Department, meaning it'll be split a certain amount of ways. I'm sure families that had fatalities are going to be paid a higher amount. Families that had injuries are going to be paid a little bit less. On average, it's going to be about $3.2 million per family. And let me clarify this right now. My condolences to the families that had their children involved in this. This was a horrific incident, and this was not a fake shooting at all. I talked to one of my best friends who's basically SWAT team leader at Polk County Sheriff's Department, and he blatantly told me that he was 100% factual that these kids got shot. He saw a lot of the security cameras. He said there were a lot of discrepancies in the security cameras, though, if it was only one individual in the building. However, they ruled that Nicholas Cruz, because they found him so quickly, he admitted to it so quickly, and he took the blame for it so quickly that is pretty much case closed. Now, here's the problem with this that I have with this entire situation. Not that the families don't basically need some type of compensation for the derelict nature, but it wasn't from the FBI, guys. They go on further in this article to say in the lawsuit, the family accused the FBI only, the only the FBI in the lawsuit because the Bureau received tips about Nicholas Cruz, including his amassing amount of weapons, and that they received an anonymous tip that Cruz was going to explode and he was going to slip into a school and start shooting up the place just weeks before the incident. Now, here's the problem that I have with this entire situation. Why in the world wasn't Sheriff Israel indicted in this lawsuit? He, according to my sheriff friend, was the primary factor in this shooting occurring and so many fatalities. Sheriff Israel had SWAT team on the ground, had almost the entire sheriff department on the ground, had EMT and paramedics on the ground, and was given them almost 20-minute stand-down order and would not let them loose to go into the hot, to go into the school for 20 minutes. You also then have the security guard that is on camera at the back of the school standing, almost guarding the back door, refusing to go into the school while he is carrying a firearm. He was a basically deputized security guard with a firearm on his person, refused to go into the school. You then had numerous law enforcement in helicopter video running out of the back door of the school during the shooting, carrying giant duffel bags and then throwing them into a pickup truck and then driving off. Now, as anybody has ever seen law enforcement, they don't get kitted up inside of a school and then bring their kits back out in a bag and then throw them in a truck and take off. They're fully kitted in SWAT trucks or MRAPs or whatever they're deploying in. They don't bring their gear into a school, into a hot zone, and then bring it back out in a bag and then drive off. It doesn't happen like that, and nobody's ever been able to figure out what that whole situation was about. There's been theories and there's been comments that I've heard people make, but nothing's really ever been formally addressed from that. Why did the FBI allegedly take the fall for this, and now they're paying out $127 million. Well, it's very simple to answer the question. They're taking the fall as basically the big goose as the FBI with the cash. The Department of Justice is going to eat this. They're going to obfuscate everything, as they did in this article. Sheriff Israel was not mentioned one time in any of these articles I've looked up, nor was the aspects of the law enforcement and SWAT personally requesting that they be cut loose to go into the school, nor were multiple of the SWAT team leaders actually fired after the situation occurred, and some of them quit as well because of their refusal to deal with Sheriff Israel anymore because they were so mad about the incident. Why is none of this brought up in the lawsuit, and why is Sheriff Israel not being held accountable? It's very simple. 
They're using this excuse of the situation, this horrific incident, as an excuse for the FBI to say, you know what? We need to start a stronger case against right-wing extremists that basically amass firearms when we get anonymous tips. We as the FBI need to be able to seize weapons of law-abiding citizens through red flag gun laws, and we need to do it more aggressively. This was our fault that this happened. We should have taken all of his weapons as soon as we had an anonymous tip whatsoever, and this wouldn't have occurred. It's 100 percent our fault, which is a complete and total lie. The narrative from the very beginning was that basically this kid was amassing weapons and the FBI knew about it. But then he went into the school with two giant duffel bags, basically kitted up by himself allegedly and intended to shoot and did shoot almost 40 people inside the school. Yet there have been numerous reports from eyewitnesses that there were multiple people inside of the school that were shooting, including one of the teachers that opened one of the doors and said she saw somebody in full body armor, head to toe, including facial armor, carrying a rifle she had never seen before. And when descriptions were posted later on, it was similar to the Tavor 15. The Tavor 15 is the Israeli bullpup 5.56 rifle. She was the same caliber as an M4 and AR-15. Now, again, that never surfaced again. After that one interview with her, it completely got scrubbed. So you have to ask yourself the question, what's the main reason beside them allow, beside making them allow the FBI to take the fall for this? And I personally think my answer is they want to make sure they cover it up. Everybody gets paid. I'm sure they're basically signing non-disclosures. The FBI takes the hit. Sheriff Israel disappears to wherever he went to make sure that situation happened because there's no excuse for a sheriff to allow that type of incident to occur. Because remember, the FBI has been recorded on numerous accounts of allowing things to happen and then turning around and trying to stop the terrorist attack that they started. The FBI now maintains a roster of 50 15,000 confidential informants, or as you could call them, spies, that are paid up as much to $100,000 per case. That is an active number right now. The share of the budget, of the $3 billion budget that the FBI got just basically a few years ago, essentially millions of dollars is earmarked to that to go to confidential informants. And when you start looking at what has continued to happen over the years now with the FBI, including what happened back in May 2009 with them getting those basically black Muslims that had felons already and telling them with a confidential informant that they were going to give them a quarter of a million dollars in a BMW if they got surfaced air missiles from them and basically planted bombs, and they did, and the whole thing was complete and total fakery. None of it happened as far as really happened. It was all fake bombs from the FBI. This is something they do on a regular basis. A new study had quantified signs of entrapment in a database post-9-11 terror prosecutions, and they had found that over 580 cases that the FBI convicted, 317 of those cases involved an informant and undercover agent, and almost every single case found signs of entrapment, the study found. This is why you have to question the narrative when you see all of a sudden the FBI is quietly settling for $127 million for failing to stop Nicholas Cruz. And Sheriff Israel is nowhere to be found anymore. Nobody's heard of him. Nobody's seen him. Nobody indicted him. And he just kind of disappeared after he literally 
compromised an entire school, got children killed, and failed his duty as a sheriff, which is completely and totally unacceptable. So I want to bring that story up along with everything else that's going on with the FBI to remind everybody who is really in the deep state and what they're really doing and why it's so careful that you know who you're hanging out with, who you're talking to, and also as well not to talk to anybody when it comes to certain situations you may be involved in and not blabber your mouth to law enforcement if something does occur. What do you think, Dad? I think it's really good advice, Austin. I mean, you know, when they say anything can and will be used against you in a court of law, uh, that means anything. Yep. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't mean some things or a few things, or we may use it. It means anything that you say can and will be used against you. That's why they had to start giving Miranda rights to people because they were begin, they were entrapping themselves. And, and it's it's very important because, you know, we've talked about this so many times on the show, and I'm not saying lie to law enforcement officers. I'm not even saying – I'm not saying be rude or mean. I'm just saying just don't, just don't say anything. Just say I've got a, you know, my attorney is basically not here, and I really can't talk to you under the advice of my attorney. And, you know, if you want to go out and have a pizza, we can do that, but we're not going to talk about this. But you just be nice to them, and they'll kind of laugh, and they'll shuck it off, and they'll go, oh, this guy knows his rights, or this woman knows her rights. But, you know, nothing good ever comes from that. I remember one time uh, my attorney, John Parvin, I asked him, I said, does it help when basically people talk to police officers during an investigation? He goes, no. He says, I tell my people all the time, my clients all the time, just to shut up and don't say anything. Say your attorney's not present. And see, that's the key. And I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm just giving you some kind of just common sense advice. You know, listen to your attorney. Do what the attorney tells you to do. I'm guarantee you, though, they're going to tell you not to say anything because – once you start signing stuff, now mind you, now what you can do, you can you can you can basically recant your testimony. You can do that. You can say I was under duress and I didn't know what I was saying, blah 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 blah. But then if you told the truth, now you're lying. Now you're lying under oath and you're recanting your testimony. I remember years ago I had this. I gotta be careful how I say this. I knew a person. Let me put it that way. Who got attacked by a witch? I mean physically attacked. And when the cops showed up, the witch. I'm talking about real witch. Now I'm not talking about a you know, this is not a metaphor. And uh, the, the witch admitted to admitted to attacking this guy. And then, you know, and, but the cops wouldn't arrest the witch. It's really a weird situation. The witch was highly connected in the county's government along with her father and grandfather. So then she was charged with a misdemeanor for attacking the individual, you know, as, as, a, as a witch, I guess. And then she recanted the testimony. And then when the individual contacted the state attorney's office, they said, well, we're not going to prosecute her because, you know, she's going to recant. And I'm like, what? See, it's all selective prosecution with the government in most cases. You know, it's, it's kind of like how much bang can they get for the buck? You know, or who are they really going to go after? And are they really going to go after someone who's politically connected if that person basically is going to be able to recant? So anybody else, you know, if we recanted a testimony, they would say he lied under oath. Okay. So you got to be careful. So you walk into a building, a Capitol building that the guards have opened up. They let you in. You stay inside of the velvet stanchions. You say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. And so now you're going to prison for a bit. And while Jesse Smollett, who unbelievably lied about everything, is let out of jail after less than a week and, and basically now is being able to use his own, what Austin called, call it his his personal net personal net worth or whatever bond, which I've never even heard of something like that. You don't even have to put any money up because everybody knows who he is, so he'd have to post a bond. <laughs> you know, you stop and you, you kind of look at this and you just kind of you kind of laugh. Not that it's funny, but because of the irony. 
Yeah, you know, I do that every once in a while. I laugh because of the irony, not because it's funny. Because it's, it's to me, it's the insouciance and the ignorance and the willful disregard for other people that I see, and I, and I just kind of shake my head and I go, "Why are people doing this?" It's like Sheriff Israel. You know, one of the first things. This is when I really started liking DeSantis. I really did. I mean, I didn't know he was going to do this. As soon as he gets into the office, he signs an executive order. I mean, an executive order kicking Israel out. Of course, Israel runs for re-election, and of course, he did not win. And now they're going after that other individual who's down there right now, trying to get him out of office. Because, you know, Broward County is pretty much run by Shabbat. Just, ooh, I said that. You know, remember Shabbat is the one who, you know, remember, remember when this kid who supposedly did the shooting at Parkland, he was walking by Shabbat <laughs> by their headquarters down there. And, uh, oh, we see him. That's the Parkland shooter. Call the cops. There he is as he's walking to Walmart to get a hamburger or whatever he's going to do. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I talked about Shabbat in length yesterday, kind of got onto a tirade about Shabbat. And so I'm going to leave it there. But, you know, guys, this is this is where we have this whole mess going from. It's all coming from the same group of Kabbalist Luciferians. And if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, you're going to have to listen to it. I name names. I name places. I name dates. I talk about who's handling Zelensky over in, you know, in Ukraine. And this morning I heard the hardcore political Zionist John Hagee put out a video about how we need to go into World War III to support our allies. And now the United Nations is basically calling up hundreds of thousands of troops. Remember, the United Nations is run through the League of Nations, which is called, we call it, the, you know, <laughs> the United Nations that is run through the Rothschild banking cartel. And it's all controlled by the same guys I talked about yesterday. It's all international crime syndicates. It's what it is. And, and once you get the, the gist of who these people are, you cannot see it. It's just, you know, some videos cannot be unseen. Like that video of Zelensky running around in high heels and leather tights and dancing and, you know, flipping freak. Okay. You cannot see that. You know, that's, that's why I told Sharon not to post it. Then which we talked again. I thought, well, we need to post it because people need to see what a weirdo he is. And I finally posted it on the website. I thought, this is nuts. That this is the guy that we're supporting, high heels and leathers. And I go into detail yesterday, and I, and, I, and I talk about that. But, guys, we need to really understand, you know, who the CDC is and all of the stuff that's being involved with all of this stuff. You go, you know, way back in the <laughs> dark ages of a couple of years ago, you know, back in January of 2021 and even before that, the CDC knew the vaccines were unsafe, but they said nothing. The data was in public view in January 2021 that the vaccines were too unsafe for use in humans. By February, it was even more obvious. To this day, the CDC has never acknowledged this safety signal. Remember Sergeant Schultz, you know, on Hogan's Heroes? And I didn't really care for Hogan's Heroes. You guys can figure out why. But it was funny. It really was. Now, the guy who was the star of that place, the uh, I believe his name was Crane, he was a complete and total pervert. Somebody beat him to death, by the way. I thought I'd mention that in real life. But his comment was always, I know nothing, nothing. And this is the way the CDC is acting. They all act like this. They always try to pretend like they don't know what they did. They always pretend like they don't know what they said. And they're always kind of just sitting back going, you know, we don't know anything about any of this stuff, and that's why we're just going to pretend like we're stupid. Because now what they're doing is exactly <laughs> – what I told you guys to do, just don't say anything. And once you understand that, you know, when you start talking and admitting to stuff, you give the opposition, or in this case, the state attorney's office, the opportunity to find things to charge you with, then you start to really understand that maybe you don't need to say anything. 
And so that's the whole key that we try to say about with people is, is that, you know, just don't talk about stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's just really interesting how we've, you know, learned in the last couple of years that when you stand for the truth, a lot of people don't like it. They really don't. And, and you know, and, you know, this is a really interesting article by Gabriel Bauer. And she goes, those who sh- chose shaming over science. Now, I'm going to read you part of this. It's pretty good. She goes, for the first 62 years of my life, I don't recall anyone calling me a selfish idiot, much less a sociopath or a mouth-breathing Trump-tard. All that changed when COVID rolled in, and I expressed ever so gingerly a few concerns about the lockdown policy. And here's a sampling of what the keyboard warriors threw back at me. Enjoy your sociopathy. Go lick a pole and catch the virus. Have fun choking on your own body fluids in the ICU as you die. Name three loved ones that you're ready to sacrifice to COVID. Do it now, coward. You went to Harvard. Yeah, right. And I'm God. Last time I checked, Harvard doesn't accept troglodytes. Oh, yeah. And Austin got much worse than this, and so did I. I mean, we got – I'm not going to go into it. From the earliest days of the pandemic, something deep inside of me, in my soul, if you will, recoiled from the political and public response to the virus. Nothing about it felt right or strong or true. This was not just the epidemiological crisis, but a societal one. So why were we listening exclusively to some select epidemiologist or some weirdo? I'm adding this, like Dr. Fauci, which he's a weirdo, a total weirdo, another troglodyte. Where were the mental health experts, the child development specialists, the historians, economists? And, you know, I'm going to post the rest of this article, but she's right. How much physical and mental and verbal abuse did we get because we stood against this mess, you know, on the Ted and Austin Brewer show? Because we wanted to say to you guys, hey, don't do this. And then we find out that the virus by itself is pretty doggone bad. I mean, it's bad, bad. It's bad. Bioweapon, genome-specific, created out in Wuhan. But it has a very high survival rate if you have enough vitamin D and C and zinc and potassium iodine and other types of antioxidants, quercetin. You've got like a 99.7% survival rate. You do get sick. But then when you get sick and you don't feel like you, you're going to recover correctly, you go to the hospital and they straight kill you with remdesivir. And all of a sudden we start getting these huge death rates and multiple people died that I know and that you guys know individually. And almost all of them died on a remdesivir cocktail that was produced through Fort Detrick as a bioweapon. <laughs> the kidneys shut down and your lungs filled with fluid and you suffocated in your own liquids and you had this horrible death gasping for air. It's unbelievable what they've done. But yet they say, you know, it's not anything to do with, you know, the, the you know, the, the remdesivir is because of the virus. So now we have all these people. There's another guy over in Tampa. He, just, he, made, the, he made the news and says he was, he was in great shape. He was an athlete. He was working out all the time. And then he got the COVID. Then he got all his vaccines. And now he's died of a heart attack. And, oh, my gosh, the COVID attacked his cardiovascular system and caused the heart attack. And now what they're doing is exactly what I told you they were going to do. They're using the damage from the spike proteins from the injections and the downregulation of the immune system and blaming it all on the COVID virus after you've been sick with it. So now they're able to cover up all of the damage they've done with spike proteins and central nervous system damage and heart attacks by saying, oh, no, no, these are all side effects because you got sick with a virus that had a 99.7% recovery rate. And this is what I told you they were going to do. I told you they were going to use everything they possibly could to cover up exactly what they've done so that nobody will know what happened 
and how we've been injected with a kill shot, with a clot shot, with a shot that's going to kill a huge percentage of the population in the world. But it is what it is. <laughs> now we've got the Biden administration, you know, waging war against Americans, crashing the U.S. economy, along with Donald Trump, who carpet bombed the economy with his shutdowns. We see the U.S. dollar with problems as far as the world reserve currency. We see engineered fuel and food crises. All of this stuff is in tandem with the various genocidal initiatives that have been put in place in recent decades, like glyphosate herbicides. This is Roundup. That, along with the chemicals in the food and the soy and the pesticides and herbicides, have reduced human sperm counts by 90%. The forced vaccination in children now that some people are saying causes vaccine autism rates of 1 in 17, others say 1 in 32, the carcinogenic 60 hertz fields from our electric grids and the weaponized millimeter waves of 5G, which are all killing us very quickly and very softly that we're not paying any attention to it. Not to mention what they're doing with the chemtrails and the geoengineering and all of the spray of barium and aluminum and who knows what else they're putting on us. Not to say any of the abiding demoralization campaign against life affording values that have been raging in pop culture since the 1960s due to the Frankfurt School and how they've come in and tried to destroy the very fabric of a Christian society and create more and more heathen and less and less relationships with God and more just do if it feels good, just do it and not be concerned about what the outcomes are going to be, like syphilis and gonorrhea and AIDS, et cetera, et cetera. Remember back in the Roaring Twenties? They had a real problem. They decided they were going to go around and start having sex with everybody back in the 20s too. This is 100 years ago. And they were having parties everywhere. But here's the big problem that happened back then. They didn't have the birth control pill. Yeah, how about that? So all these women started getting pregnant. And all of a sudden, the roaring 20s, the 20s turned into, like, we got to raise a kid for 20 years. And it wasn't so much fun anymore. That was one of the factors that basically put a big quash on along with the Great Depression when the same Kabbalist Luciferians I talked about yesterday, Sabatain Frankis Kabbalist Luciferians, contracted the money slot supply because they had taken over the country in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Bank. All of the same stuff happens over and over and over again with these guys because this is what they do. And so when we step, so when you sit back and you start really taking a look at the 5G and what they're doing as far as how they're putting these towers in all of our neighborhoods and how we know that certain energy fields can literally cook an entire city if you crank it up and dial it up for 10 or 15 minutes, we know now they can actually wipe out large populations of the of the city by just giving them all types of diseases because of a certain frequency they can broadcast. We understand that. We also know that N-acetylcysteine can basically help eliminate all of these things from the body as far as the graphene oxide, et cetera, et cetera, that we talked about many, many times on the NAC. And we know how important it is to take supplements on a regular basis, which helps to mitigate that. And that's one of the reasons that they're constantly trying to take supplements off the market. So it never seems to end that these guys are doing this to us on an ongoing basis. But guys, listen to me. If we understand, and this is so important that we, that we, that we capitulate, that, that, we, that we, we capsulate this, that the COVID-19 and the vaccine bioweapon operation is a planned genocide and a war crime against humanity that is part of a multi-decade plan of the elites. I'll go on to say it a little further than this. This is a multi-sensory plan of the quote-unquote, not the elites, but the Luciferian Kabbalists we talked about yesterday. They want to bring in their third temple and to bring back their serpent god. This is the whole goal of all of them. Both the COVID-19 and the injection are man-made bioweapons that include bioengineered synthetic hybrid components that are part viral and bacterial 
and basically they're also putting Ebola and lowering your systems as far as your abilities and your immune systems to combat all of this stuff, including HIV. Now, is it going to be something that's going to take over the planet? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to reduce the population. These, these conjections can contain nanolipid particles that can carry these microbes, invade cells, genetically modify them to produce spike proteins. The HIV protein and the bioweapon disable the body's autoimmune system, allowing these lipid nanoparticles to invade cells. The vaccine gives VADS or vaccine autoimmune deficiency syndrome to those who are vaxxed in most cases. The only time you can get out of this is if you get one of the placebo vaccines that doesn't have all the stuff in it. Remember, this was a beta test. They couldn't release this bioweapon in all of the vaccines to start with. In some cases, they said only 5% of the vaccines actually contain this bioweapon because they knew if they put it in 100% of the vaccines, they started injecting it, and everybody started dying, that everybody's going to go nuts. So you get all these people, 95, 100 people get vaccinated. 95 of them don't show any side effects because they, they took basically a saline solution, and suddenly they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you sick? It was the vaccine. No, it wasn't. There's nothing wrong with me. I took the vaccine. Then what they do, the next time you get another vaccine – they increase the percentages because, remember, they know exactly which batches go to which areas and which areas didn't get the real kill components of the vaccine the first time. So the second time they send more to that area or to a different area. And so it's very subtle. It's like killing us softly. They're not coming in. This is a full-blown bioweapon attack that's being orchestrated through big pharma and through these vaccine manufacturers who are cabalist control to kill the population without getting huge pushback. This is the problem that we have. I took the first vaccine. I feel great. Heck, I took the second vaccine. I feel great. I've, I've taken the third vaccine. I don't have any side effects whatsoever. What's wrong with you? And Why are you blaming the vaccine? Well, that person, I guess, just got really lucky and had three placebos. The people that get the real bioweapon, you know, dose one, dose two, dose three, their immune systems are basically gone. The, the military's own numbers in their database show an 1,100% increase in all causes of mortality and morbidity among 1.8 million soldiers from 20 to 21. This population group is aged between 18 and 40. The forecast predict a 5,000% increase in morbidity and mortality in the same group this year for 2022. A 5,000 is going to go up five times over what it was last year, you know. <laughs> what happening here is this. Everyone who's taken these injections is basically precipitating in a phase three clinical trial without having been given informed. Inform I'm going to repeat this. Everyone who has taken the injections is participating in a phase three clinical trial without having given for informed consent. In other words, we're being given these poisons, these chemicals, and we have no idea that this is happening and we have no consent from it. In other words, we're guinea pigs. This is all tied into the widespread introduction of 5G communication system. This 5G gigahertz EM signal produced symptoms in humans identical with COVID-19 in the vaccine. We've seen that in the research. Also, the materials in the injections are designed to be activated upon the exposure to the 18 gigahertz frequencies emitted by 5G antennas. Thus, 5G transmitters at 0 to 100 gigahertz will be the trigger mechanism for the apocalypse. Can we call it that? The first major outbreaks, remember, of the COVID-19 occurred in Wuhan, China, Milan, Italy, in New York City, just as these 5G communication systems were being activated and tested online. The 
body's immune system response inside vax people will turn loose different organisms that can turn them into nitro, you know, into protein factories, which will basically produce spike proteins throughout their bodies, which they will shed into others and they can be designed to be contagious. So here's the thing. If you look up the IP36 gene deletion syndrome, it's the number one serious adverse event listed by Pfizer is basically the Marburg infection, which is a type of Ebola, which I mentioned earlier, just just on this particular rant that I'm doing right now. And his litigation against the U.S. Department of Defense for inflicting this genocidal weapon upon our soldiers, we realize that only Christians and those who have a relationship with God generally have the discernment needed to understand the extent of evil now being inflicted on us by our leaders. Now, why is that? Why is it you have to be a Christian to see this? Because the hearts and the minds of the unbeliever have a veil placed about it. Now, remember, if, if you don't believe in good and bad, and everything in your life is based on you know, non-moral absolutes, and everything's gray, and you can do this or you can do that or you can do this or you can do that, and nothing matters because there is no God and that's what you believe, and you feel as though there is no judgment from God Almighty because you don't think there is a God, though there is, then what ends up happening is you can't see the world as good versus evil. Now, I'm saying something really important that I've really never talked about right now. You can't see good versus evil because you're in the middle somewhere, and so you can't possibly in your mind imagine that a government or a group of people that I talked about yesterday are so evil to the core that without a direct intervention by the Holy Spirit and a road to the masses experience, throwing them down and blinding them and talking to them, like Saul of Tarsus, that they're not going to change. And quite frankly, some of these people, even if God himself did that to them, they would not change. Remember what Jesus said when he's talking about Lazarus, and Lazarus was basically sitting in Abraham's bosom, and he could see the guy in hell? And, and the guy in hell says to God, he says, look, here's what we need to do. Just let somebody return from the dead and tell my family so they don't come to this place of torment. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Even if someone returns from the dead, they will not believe. See, that's the extent of this veil over the hearts and the minds of the unbeliever. That's why only Christians have the ability to see through this in many cases. There are some people out there now that have researched and researched and researched that they realize something ain't right. But they're still not seeing the extent of this, the evil, that there's a war in the heavenlies that's going on between God and Lucifer. Now, they're going to release another pandemic, or they're going to release a world war. They're going to do something, and it's going to scare the resistors, the unvaxxed, the people who could think for themselves, the Christians who are standing against this. It's going to turn this to compliance, and they're going to make it so horrible that they're going to run the quarantine centers. They'll be if there if there if there are massive outbreaks of hemorrhagic fever, Ebola, and people are dropping dead. I mean, for real, they're dropping dead, and it's probably going to be from the Ebola and from the 5G. Tying it all together, people are going to start getting you know really scared. I mean, if you're walking through the corpses of <laughs> the New World Order, and you realize that these corpses are basically infectious, and you can catch stuff from them, you're going to be sitting around going, "Where's my hazmat suit? You know, where am I? Where? Where? How? Where's my umbilical? I need to get away from all of this stuff." And people get really scared. Are they going to do that? I don't know. I really believe they want to do that. I really do. I just don't believe that God, unless the book of Revelation opens up and the seals start popping, that God's going to allow that to happen. You see, here's the thing. 
if the Christians just stood on the authority they have in Christ, the ability they have being in the blood covenant with the Most High God through Jesus, through the power of their words, which creates scalar energy, and their prayers that create scalar energy, which changes the fabric of time-space, if they understood that, and they were taught that in church, we could change everything. I mean, we could literally change it overnight. We really could. But the problem is the Christian church has been completely and totally, uh, for lack of a better word, emasculated, you know, for a more simple word, castrated, and, and the leadership is gone. And the church doesn't want to do it. And you get people like Hagee who, who are marching to the exact drum of the propaganda. It's just pure propaganda. And then he gives it out to his entire listenership, which, which is millions of people, and they believe it. I told you the pastor I heard last night or two nights ago. He was basically talking about the same thing Hagee's talking about. They're not stopping and looking and asking God for guidance and deliverance in this. They're looking at basically what the world is saying, and they're believing the hook-line sinker of the Schofield Reference Bible, which is brought to us by the same Kabbalist that I talked to you about yesterday with Samuel Untermeyer, if you want another name, who basically was a huge attorney up in New York City who took basically Schofield under his arm and had him published through the you know, press over there at Oxford and basically pushed his Schofield Reference Bible bringing Israel back into the fold into the end times to promote Zionism, to promote the Kabbalah, to re promote the third building of the third temple. And so, so many of these people like Hagee and his followers have become part of the doomsday cult that are looking forward to seeing the world go to hell while they get raptured and sit up in heaven with the heavenly grandstands and applaud and go, oh, wow, look at that one. Boy, he died. Oh, my gosh, what a terrible death he had. What's wrong with you, Christian? Why do you think like that? Have you been so brainwashed? We're supposed to be walking in love and in forgiveness. We're supposed to help one another, not sit and applaud when people go through the tribulation and end up in hell. What is the point of you believing stuff like that? You've been brainwashed by the Schofield Reference Bible. Don't allow yourself to get into that mindset. That's why it's important to understand the Christians who are awake and patriots who are awake. We're awake, and we know what's going on. And we're not going to comply with this stuff. That's why we got to stand firm. We have to stand, like it says in the book of Ephesians, in everything. But the world doesn't see it in the sharp contrast that it is. When you understand that it's Shabbat working with the Israeli special forces and Mossad and CIA and MI6 and the international bankers who are all being controlled through a unified source via the Kabbalah, which is Luciferianism, and they're basically sacrificing humans on a regular basis. Heck, we just had a big sting here in Central Florida again. And a bunch, of, a bunch more of the Disney employees got caught for human trafficking. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it just happened. I love to talk about stories like this, not because I'm happy they happened, because it links Disney to them and a bunch of Disney employees. Now, I'm not saying that Disney corporate was involved in this. I'm not saying that. But I just can't stand Disney because of what they do. They're on an ongoing basis. And Epcot. The environmental prototype community of tomorrow with snitches and cameras everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. So, guys, keep your hearts and minds in Christ. Austin, what do you think of what's your next story? <laughs> You're exactly right. I saw this sting operation that basically uh, Polk County was involved in as far as busting a lot of these guys, multiples of them, from Disney as far as in either soliciting prostitution or basically sending photos and soliciting one. I think they tried to solicit a 14 year old girl. This guy was a Polynesian life, Polynesian resort lifeguard. Another one of the individuals that was involved. He was, uh, 
Shemaine Malav, 27, who's on a visa citizenship from India and working as a software developer for Disney. I mean, I, you know, I, I get, I, I'm not surprised with Disney as far as I'm hiring people that are involved in this, or they may not have been involved in it before they worked for Disney. I don't know. I'm not accusing anybody. But one thing I do know, Disney is not what anybody thinks it is. It was so funny. Yesterday, and this, this, this news article just played – perfectly into my hand yesterday accidentally didn't even mean to play it and i did yesterday with lana we were discussing cruise cruise ships as you know i I went on a couple cruises when i was younger as a kid i always thought cruise ships were so much fun i always did and lana and i have talked repeatedly about trying to be able to take the kids on a cruise because i think it'd be fun to go on a little three or four day cruise down to the caribbean let them go to the islands let them experience all that you know the waterfalls in jamaica some of those just beautiful areas down there and so I was doing some research, and it looks like a bunch of the cruise ships are starting to drop the mass mandate pretty much on all the cruise ships. And now they're talking about by the fall, they're going to be stopping all vaccine mandates on the cruise ships because the cruise ships are basically hemorrhaging cash still, hemorrhaging cash because a lot of people still just are not wanting to go on them. And so I'm not a big fan of long cruises just because if somebody does get sick, it's like, okay, this is a long time to be on this cruise ship. Usually the Caribbean cruises that I've been on, they're three, four, five days. They're usually fairly okay because even if somebody does start to get sick, by the time they start showing symptoms on the cruise, the cruise is pretty much over with. And so that's just my opinion on it. But it was funny. Lana goes yesterday, she goes, well, I really want to take the kids on a Disney cruise. They'll have fun. And I started laughing. I said, take them on a Disney cruise? I said, why? So somebody can try to molest them and I can get arrested? I said, does that sound like a fun time to you? And she's like, well, no, I want to go on a Disney cruise. And I said, no, I'm not going on a Disney cruise, period. I will not step foot on a Disney cruise, at least for the sole purpose of that company will not get a penny out of my wallet. She's like, fine, you're right, you're right, you're right. And it wasn't two hours later, Breitbart put the article up, four Disney workers accused in human trafficking and sexual assault with a minor, sexual soliciting of a minor. And I literally pulled it up and I said, oh, by the way, here's that company Disney that you wanted to go hang out with on their cruise ship. And she looked at me and she goes, you're right, you're right. I don't know what you want me to say. You're right. I was wrong. I said, that's fine. I said, I'm not even trying to make you say I was right. I said, I just want to prove my point that I'm not going to associate with that company. Not that some of the other cruise ships may not have their own bag of frogs that come with them. But again, I'm not going to knowingly involve myself with a company that I'm diametrically opposed to everything they're involved in. They're now saying that a huge portion of the employees on March 22nd are now going to do a full-blown stage walkout out of the theme parks to protest the anti-grooming bill, excuse me, the anti-child sex trafficking grooming bill, which is what it is that DeSantis talked about that I've referred to talk to, where you don't want your five and six and seven and eight-year-old children being taught sexual grooming lessons and being taught sexual perversion, and that's essentially what the bill is completely about, and they are now protesting it because they're saying the CEO of Disney did not push hard enough to make sure DeSantis does not sign this bill into law, and they're upset. And then I kind of took a step back. This, this is a huge group of employees that have put this down on social media. I took a step back, and I said, meanwhile, in Florida, we're in Florida right now, very conservative state for the most part. We have Democrats and leftists and hardcore communists and school board officials and Disney employees now to add to that list who say that now that they will no longer be able to talk about sex 
with their five to nine-year-olds in a public school, they're mad and going to protest. Honestly, why are so many of these people desperately wanting to discuss sex with young, young, single-digit minor and other people's young children in the first place? Does nobody else find that remotely creepy to you? Why are people so mad that they can't talk to other people's little, young, single-digit children about sexual orientation and sexual engagements? That just kind of seems like something that automatically shouldn't be brought up. You shouldn't have to say that in a civilized society. Hey, it's probably not a good idea if you go walk up to my child and solicit them on how they can learn about transgender sexual orientation, perverted studies when they're five years old. You know, we should probably just not really go and do that. Oh, really? You know what? I I really wanted to do it, but now that you're saying that, I, you know, I'm going to have to think about it. I still kind of want to do it. I want to talk to your five-year-old about being a cross-dressing pervert. I really want to do it. So maybe you should just get a bill, you know, put a bill in the state of Florida that, that says I'm not allowed to legally do it. Because, you know, right now I'm really, really intrigued to talk to your five-year-old about perverted cross-dressing sexual techniques that I'm involved in. What? What? Are you kidding me right now? That's even a discussion that we're actually having to have in the state of Florida? In any state in general, in any part of this country, that's a conversation we're actually having right now, and people are opposed to not being able to do it? Yeah, they are, and it's exactly what we've talked about. They want to push the perversion onto the young children because once they get this young, these young children in a completely and totally perverted mindset from such a young age, it is very rarely you can pull them back out of it because once it's ingrained in them, in that young, young brainwave state that they're in they find it to be truth it will be ingrained with them the rest of your life that's why it's so important to get the kids in church and read the bible with them i read the bible with the kids every single night me and lana pray with them read the bible now i don't i don't necessarily always spend you know 30 or 40 minutes doing a bible study but i always read a couple chapters we have a kid's bible that has like photos in it really big bible it's really cool elaborate photos all the different stories and stuff that goes into detail and it's pretty pretty biblically accurate i've gone through it all and you know we read that with the kids and they're excited they love to read it and I read that with them every single night, it's at least as long as I can. If I'm in town or I'm not out of, out of town or something or gone while they go to bed. But I, even when I'm out of town or I'm gone, I always still try to pray with them over the phone before they go to bed every single night. Because I'm trying to instill in them that behavior and that moral and that biblical ethics. The fact that, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, you're going to screw up a lot. You're going to do a lot of stupid stuff. It happens. It just is. But at the end of the day, when you know what's right and you know what you're supposed to do, that's what matters because you come back to your roots and what you're trying to do. And that's exactly why these people are so mad right now that they don't have the ability to go and pervert these young children anymore if this bill get passed. And I already told you, I felt the bill was too easy on them. I thought the bill should have been much more aggressive. I think the bill should have gone all the way to 12, 13 years of age minimum in public school talking about this stuff, all the way to at least sex ed class, wherever that's at. And quite frankly, I still don't agree at all with the transgender, cross-dressing, perverted ideology being taught in schools, period, at all. But again, you get these hardcore leftist homosexual communists that love doing this sick, perverted stuff in their own homes, and they want to portray it onto their young children that are in their schools that look up to them as authority figures. That's all it comes down to. And yet, so many parents blindly send their kids to school and say, okay, teach my kid 12 years of communism and come back in 18 years, you know, come back in 12 years when they're 18, and hopefully they're normal. Ain't going to be normal. There's no normalcy to that. Not when you do that to these children for that long a time. That's why it's so important you keep the truth out there. And that's why you see what's going on right now with what they've done with COVID and what they do with the lockdowns, what they do with the shots, and what they've done with this whole obfuscation with this engagement in Ukraine. 
I've already said before, Ukraine can handle Ukraine. They got enough surfaced air missiles, machine guns, and weaponry that the entire world has given them now. They're not our doggone problem. Russia is not our problem unless they get an engagement. I don't care about either countries. I'm completely neutral. I don't care if Russia blows up Ukraine or Ukraine blows up Russia. That's not my problem. I'm focused on the United States of America becoming a God-fearing country and maintaining our civil liberties and rights and constitutional values here. That's who I'm concerned with. Just like Ukraine shouldn't give a rat's butt about the United States and what happens over here. It's not our problem. I don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I really, really hope Ukraine can get themselves together. It's not my problem. I'm concerned about my friends, my family, my health master's customers, my listeners, my people that I support and I try to help and get the truth out to, not some third most corrupt country in the entire world. Do I pray for a lot of the people over there, the law-abiding, fearful, God-fearing citizens that are fighting for their country? Yeah, I hope they do the best fight that they can. But I'm not going to sit here and put some placated halo over my head and pretend, oh, man, we need to keep giving Ukraine more and more money. We're not giving the people of Ukraine money. We're giving the corrupt government more and more money so they can fund their bioweapons or so they can fund their other weird money laundering. Remember all the stuff that Biden and Hunter were involved with over there? I mean, all that stuff that came out on the laptop? Yeah, that was Ukraine, that same country, the same country that Biden bragged about going to 13 times and making sure that they did what he said or he'd withhold funding from them. Yeah, that Ukraine. So be very careful what you fall yourself into as far as following the narrative. Remember the Hegelian dialectic. That talks about it all the time. Problem, reaction, solution. The Hegelian dialectic is where the ruling banker boys create a problem and they anticipate in advance the reaction of the population to the crisis by pushing their propaganda in the direction they want them to go and thus conditioning the people to call for the very change the bankers would have already done in the first place but they get the people to call for it because the people think it's their idea based on the mind control propaganda that has been shoved down their throats to the mainstream media understand how it works from a psychological standpoint and it will open up your eyes on how much they're trying to pervert and change the fabric of this very culture now we have videos in countries that are now saying they're completely overwhelmed with ukrainian refugees they're now saying the refugee crisis in europe is the largest it's ever been since world war ii with over three million ukrainians already displaced now they're coming out now and saying all the surrounding countries are basically maxed out and they don't know what to do. Now they're doing polls in the United States about how many Ukrainians we should bring over here on the basically refugee policy, even though only 11 percent said 100,000 or less should be allowed to come into the country. Asking the poll, the administration's already having discussions of bringing in more Ukrainians. Now, I don't have anything against Ukrainians. I don't have people coming in from other countries. All I ask is they follow the rules, norms and biblical beliefs of the United States and don't try to bring in any of their weird stuff. And here's the other question that I bring up again. So I'm going to bring up this topic now that I brought it up at the beginning of this week. Everybody keeps saying the housing market. There's not enough supply to keep up with demand. Not enough supply. Not enough supply. Why don't we have enough supply of houses in the country? Because we're bringing in millions of people from other countries right now and they're going in with BlackRock and Vanguard buying up complete and total subdivisions at the start of of the development 
and subsidizing them for people to live here. We don't have a number of issue of supply of houses in this country on an organic scale because so many people just suddenly started buying houses in this country and buying numerous houses. We have a supply issue because we're bringing in millions of people from all over the world, from the southern borders, that we already know is over 2 million, the Afghan refugee program, which was well over 100 million. Some are saying in the two to 300, excuse me, 100,000. Some are saying the two to 300,000 range now. The Syrian issue, the Libya issue, the Ukrainian issue, the Iraq issue, all those had refugee programs. They've been bringing in people. Understand what they're doing in, in order to dissolve the country and break down the fabric of actual American nationality. So thank you again, my friends, for getting the truth out there and do the best you can to wake people up and elicit as much change as you can, even when it comes to a local level. Try to get involved the best you possibly can. I know it's difficult, and I know it feels like a losing battle sometimes. I get that. But no matter what, remember, if you keep, if you quit fighting, you automatically lose. At the end of the day, you know you did the best you could. You know you stood up for what you believed, because I think that's right. There's something really big on the horizon. They're trying to cover and obfuscate right now before they switch the narrative again with their Hengalian dialectic to push more of what they want people to do. Continue to get the truth out to my friends. Healthmasters.com if you need anything at all. Stay prepped as always. we got more food buckets coming in for everybody that's been calling me up asking me about them. we got more of those coming in, so I'm going to keep supply steady. Make sure everybody stays prepared, at least here on a local level. Be, feel free to stop by the office if you need anything in person. Healthmasters.com. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night. I'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.